Christ, and welcome to Concord Baptist, a show that seeks to be united in our confession of the Christian faith through the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says it well from Romans 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We seek the same harmony that Paul tells us by the Holy Spirit through the study and of the clear and concise teachings confessed in the book of Concord, because as we believe, they are in accord with God's holy word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. We continue our study on confession. Specifically, confession and absolution. We were greatly blessed last week to get back to the basics of what is confession and absolution. Pastor Truy did a great job of specifically pointing us to Scripture, pointing us to our heritage as Lutherans, and in some senses proving that it isn't the same thing that happens in the Catholic Church. As far as I know, there's not a dark room or a little box or or that we have to do penance after we confess our sins. It is truly a gift from our Lord Jesus for the full forgiveness of your sins. Repentance and forgiveness is who we are. So now as we come to the second part of the confession uh, in the small catechism, we're asking the question, how do I even do this? So Martin Luther gives us a simple format to follow, which, we, which I believe is one of the pure gold parts, not only of our, of our small catechism, but also in our hymnal. We'll talk more about that today. So open up your catechisms, also open up your Bibles, and let's start confessing. If you have any questions concerning our text or our study of the small catechism today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Joining us in the Confession of Christ, we welcome the Reverend Dr. Timothy Raywalt of St. John Lutheran Church in Popple Creek and St. Paul Lutheran Church in Foley, Minnesota. Pastor Raywalt, welcome to Concord Matters. Thank you. Good to be here with you. Pastor, um, this is our first time together here. Obviously, you are a Minnesotan, so you and I know each other and have uh, been knowing each other for quite some time. But this is our first time on Concord Matters. Tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at St. John and St. Paul. Okay, well, um, I've been at St. John's and St. Paul's for about 13 years now, and uh, I've been in the ministry for 38 years. I've served in several places, uh, Southeast Kansas, Iowa District East, uh, Minnesota South, and, and uh, now Minnesota North. Uh, I'm married, my wonderful bride, Judy, and we have three wonderful children, uh, all grown and married and raising their own families. And uh, we have, from that, uh, we have six great, uh, great, wonderful ch uh, grandchildren. And uh, so proud of them and uh, love them dearly. I thought you were about to say you have six great, great grandchildren. <laughs> I'm like, wait, how the how do these numbers work out? You're not that old, I didn't oh, think. So anyways. <laughs> So, so, Pastor, you are, um, you're a reverend doctor. It says reverend doctor on here. And I know you've done some uh, doctor ministry work, specifically in reconciliation and conflict 
resolution. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the need for that in the church now, or what well, always has been, but especially now? Yeah, I, uh, I completed my doctoral program in, in 2014, and my, my D-Men program was in the area of missional ministry, specifically the focus of my dissertation was to discuss the uh, satanic problem of congregational conflict and how it causes uh, the destruction of mission and ministry in the church or causes it to be diminished. And um, it was very interesting to uh, interview and uh, work with many pastors who have gone through conflict in their congregations and have survived it and come through it and congregations as well. And uh, so what I did in my project was to develop a, uh, a program for congregations to use in discussing congregational conflict. And then uh, hopefully by doing that, they could prevent conflict from happening in their own congregations. Sort of a vicarious way of, of seeing what happens to the mission and ministry of a church when uh, conflict arises and gains a foothold in, in a congregation. And I believe you also have a book, am I correct? Well, yeah, the, the, the study guide or the uh, <coughs> part of the dissertation project that was developed uh, I then published as a book called Troubled Churches, What's the Story? And in that, uh, the idea, again, is breaking the pattern that troubled churches have through preventive discussion. And, uh, yeah, that's the, I think that's one way. It's not the only way, but it's one way that we can go at trying to solve this prob problem of congregational conflict uh, that does diminish or destroy the ability of a congregation to really reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the problem exists that when there is conflict, everything else goes sort of on the back burner and, and uh, congregations focus only on uh, the issues that are causing the conflict. Well, and that's something for us all to pray um, about and and we know that conflict is real. You have a whole group of 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 of, of Christians coming together. Um, they're all broken. They need a savior. They need to confess. They need to repent. We all do, and we gather together in the name of Jesus. And so that's something that I ask you, our our listeners, to to pray about for your own congregation. Maybe you're going through conflict. Is to know that first of all, this is why we have a savior. Second of all, there, there are resources out there. Um, for example, in our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, you have the Ambassadors of Reconciliation, which is a, a group that works in such things. Pastor Ray Walt and others have worked in this reconciliation, all grounded in the Word of God and also in Christ and Him crucified. So this is a very appropriate for us today, Pastor, as we look at short form of confession, because it is <coughs> excuse me, the need for each one of us to confess our sins, and because, well, because there is conflict and because we have sinned. And so I encourage our listeners right now, we are going to be basing our study today on Luther's small catechism with explanation, specifically the 2017 version from CPH on page 26 is where we are at this time. 
And so to background from last week, excuse me, one second here, Tim. So as we look at page 26, the short form of confession, it brings us back to last week. What is confession? And today we're going to get back to the bare bones. Like, okay, this is how you do it. So pastor, let's get back to basics. Why does Luther, in your mind, write a short form of confession? Well, um, I think I think Luther intended the short form to be an example for us of what individual or private confession should look like. Um, and I, I, there's a there's a note on page 26 where it says. Luther intended the following form to serve as an example. Um, and then it directs us to the uh, more contemporary form in the Lutheran service book. And both of these are intended, I believe, that um, a penitent sinner, especially someone who is feeling the burden of their sin and is feeling guilt or shame, uh, could go to their pastor uh, and and confess that sin and receive the the forgiveness the absolution of sin from their pastor uh, I think that's why why Luther includes this in this section on confession uh, right between confession and the explanation really of the office of the keys and because, he wanted the people that he was ministering to. I can almost imagine Luther um, sat down one day to write these words that he includes here in the small catechism. And he recalled maybe one or more conversations that he'd had with parishioners or fellow Christians, other pastors who had confessed their sins to him. And it's extremely important for us today uh, to be examples uh, in our Christ-centered life, in our, our daily lives and our vocations. And so I think Luther's point is that we're called to lead a sanctified life. And through this confession in the short form and in general, uh, we can repent of our sin and receive that absolution and be motivated to go forward in life without the guilt and the shame of our of our sins. And this goes forward to why he even has a small catechism, as we talked about in the preface, that his concern, and you see this throughout the Lutheran confessions, clearly you see it in scripture, but through the Lutheran confessions, there is an explicit desire for the conscience of the Christian to be comforted in Christ. Like that, that's the goal. This is, he doesn't just make this up to say, okay, now I can prove that all these people know a lot about the Bible. Like that, I mean, that's on there, right? We want people to know the scriptures, but he wanted to make sure that because people were literally like just living their lives with seared consciences. They were never knew if they were saved. And so this, this right here, this uh, short form of confession, Luther has the explicit goal that people knew that they had a right relationship with God on account of Jesus Christ. 
that is that is something that runs all the way through this and and we look at it once again looking to scripture so pastor let's let's go to this point before we actually read the short form what does scripture have to say about the concept of confession well in my thinking there are really many places in the new testament many in the old testament uh, where the need of confession is expressed in the catechism luther i think zeroes in on on two under the office of the keys under where it is written he cites john 20 where jesus breathed on his disciples and said receive the holy spirit if you forgive anyone his sins they are forgiven if you do not forgive them they are not forgiven these words of course are spoken by jesus when he first appears to his disciples after his resurrection i tend in my teaching to call this jesus first order of business for his disciples he's saying to them i i believe that you are to be those you're going to be he's saying to the disciples you're going to be those who will announce or dispense the forgiveness of sins to the world uh, and he's talking about giving that forgiveness that he himself has just won for all mankind upon the cross. Jesus, I think, is saying, essentially, you'll, you're, you're going to give this forgiveness to the world that I've paid for. Jesus had just paid for the sins of all people. And the first thing, first order of business is to tell his disciples, they are those who are going to uh, share that forgiveness with those who need to be forgiven. Those you just talked about who are uh, burdened with their, their sins and, and uh, in need of uh, comfort, consolation. And he's saying to the disciples, you're going to be those who share this forgiveness with all people. And yet there's another obvious point there also that Jesus says, if you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. And many might ask, uh, where does that come from? And uh, why would Jesus allow for some sins not to be forgiven? Well, the obvious answer comes from the second scripture that I think we're looking at. And that is Matthew 18, the famous words of our Lord. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, talks about taking it one or two others along or taking it to the church. And if they will not listen to the church, let that person be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's the same language we hear in John 20. If you forgive anyone, his sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. And the point is, and I think Luther's point, because I think it's Jesus' point, is that confession of sin indicates that there's repentance of sin, sorrow over sin. And if there's repentance, the church can forgive. We can forgive. and But we should not announce forgiveness to the unrepentant. So those two scripture passages, uh, John 20, where Jesus 
gives the power to forgive sins to his disciples and to the church. And then in Matthew 18, where he really describes how you and I, all Christians, are to bring that forgiveness to the repentant sinner. This is where I want to start looking at the penitent, because you said it so well that Jesus' words are very clear to forgive the sins of those who repent and to not forgive those who do not repent. And that can be a little bit scary for us, but also hopefully it leads us to say, oh my, I need to repent. And that's what's great about following this form because, for example, if you follow the form, which is in Luther's small catechism, or to your listeners, I would also, if you have a, 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 a hymnal, the Lutheran service book, uh, page 292 has a more, quote, contemporary format of how to follow this. But if you follow through this, and I'll say this, as a pastor, I've had numerous people who have gone through this rite or this short form of confession with me, and often they don't even get past halfway before realizing their failures. You know, I mean, sometimes people will cry. Sometimes there's other situations. I'm not looking, we're not looking for that, saying that you have to do that. But it is showing that if you go through this list and you think, well, that doesn't apply to me, then we have to do more study of God's word. So I want us to dig into, which is a short form found in our small catechism, where it starts with the penitent. And I think I'll stop there and we'll kind of talk about it here for a little bit. So here's what we hear from the small catechism. The penitent says, Dear confessor, I ask you to please hear my confession and to pronounce forgiveness in order to fulfill God's will. I, a poor sinner, plead guilty before God of all sins. In particular, I confess before you that as a servant, maid, etc., I, sad to say, serve my master unfaithfully. For in this and that I have not done what I was told to do. I have made him angry and caused him to curse. I have been negligent and allowed damage to be done. I have also been offensive in words and deeds. I have quarreled with my peers. I have grumbled about the lady of the house and cursed her. I am sorry for all of this and I ask for grace. I want to do better. So there's a lot of assumptions. Pastor, do you have any insights on the history or it says the penitent, and it is particularly one who is a servant. Any thoughts um, on what's being said? Well, I, when we when we look at what Luther wrote there, um, he, he talks a, a great deal about um, what I think of as the, the vocations that each of us have, uh, whether it be master, servant, or maid. And uh, today, of course, we would use different terms regarding our vocations. But he's, ex- he's inviting us and the penitent uh, to examine their life, uh, to look at their own life, uh, how they have failed in, in various ways and, uh, and, and, and sinned against another person uh, by not doing what they ought to have done by causing hurt or harm to a neighbor, a friend, uh, a loved one, a spouse. Uh, Have I made him angry? He says here in the small catechism, have I caused him to curse? 
have I been negligent? Have I not done what I ought to have done? Um, all of these things we are to examine in our, in our role in life. And so I think we kind of have to go back and forth between the two things that, that we're looking at, both the short form and the catechism and the individual confession and absolution and the LSB, because, uh, in the LSB, a lot of those words are, are taken out and they're, they're left for us to, to do on our, on our own, um, between the pastor and the, and the penitent or the confessor and the penitent, um, when they are having this discussion. And like you, I have done this uh, many times with, with people. Um, and so often you need to spend some time talking about what troubles me particularly, that's in the LSB, uh, because the pastor needs to ask questions or the confessor needs to ask questions. And there's actually a note in the LSB that says that the pastor may gently question or instruct um, the penitent in regards to trying to get at what is really causing them the shame, the guilt, the hurt of the weight of their sins. Um, I would also talk about the other notes in the uh, LSB, the, the notes at the, at the beginning of the individual confession and absolution, because it directs us to the commandments. And I think this is really helpful and important for us. Uh, we would assume that most, in most cases, people who come to confess, they already know the commandments, but I found that from time to time with an individual struggling with particular weight of sins upon their, their lives, that because of the mixed messages of today's modern world, it's, it's very helpful to direct the penitent back to the commandments that they may be violating or going against, even if them, they themselves don't really know the commandments all that well or know that they're breaking them. For example, someone could say, well, I've never killed anyone. Uh, but what they don't realize is that they have indeed hurt or harmed someone with their actions or their words. As we were just reading in the catechism, uh, the words of Luther, uh, that the penitent is to say. They don't really realize they've hurt or harmed someone with their words or their actions. Uh, and when they say the breaking of the commandment would be you shall not, or the commandment would be you shall not murder. In fact, the, the matter is clearly that we know for the, for the most part and accept the commandments as the will of God. But someone might say, well, I've never killed anyone they don't really realize they they're violating that particular commandment so it's i think it's helpful uh, mm -hmm. it's helpful to redirect people back to the commandments and help guide them to understand more fully uh, why they're feeling guilt over hurting or harming 
uh, making someone angry, uh, those kinds of things that uh, we, the penitent just confessed in the short form in the catechism. I quarreled with my peers. I grumbled with the lady of the house and cursed mm. her. And, um, but it all comes down to this. I am sorry for all this. And I ask for grace. I want to do better. Mm. And if that's the case, then that person is truly repentant and forgiveness um, is, is, uh, can be granted and available to them. I want to do this in the LSB. So we just read the penitent. I want to read what is said in the LSB. And then, Pastor, we're going to take our break. But the words are very similar, but they're more, well, more like how we speak today, yeah, <laughs> yeah. to put it blatantly, you know. And so basically in the individual confession absolution found in LSB, page 292, is the confessor, the, the one who's going to confess, says, Pastor, please hear my confession and pronounce forgiveness in order to, to fulfill God's will. Pastor says, proceed. The, confess, the confessing person says, I, a poor sinner, plead guilty before God of all sins. I have lived as if God did not matter and as if I mattered most. My Lord's name I have not honored as I should. My worship and prayers have faltered. I have not let his love have its way with me, and so my love for others has failed. There are those whom I have hurt and those whom I have failed to help. My thoughts and desires have been soiled with sin. And there's the opportunity to say, what troubles me particularly is that. And at the end, it says, just like ours, the one that's in the small catechism, I'm sorry for all of this and ask for grace. I want to do better. Pastor, we're going to hear more about this on the other side of our break. We are studying confession absolution in Luther's small catechism. And we'll be Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. studying what God's Word has to say about confession and absolution, specifically the short form of confession in Luther's small catechism with Pastor Timothy Raywalt of St. John Lutheran Church in Popple Creek, Minnesota, and St. Paul Lutheran Church in Foley, Minnesota. Pastor, we've just gone through the basic uh, short form of confession, and we hear these words what would you tell somebody, this is maybe a little bit off the cuff, so we'll see how this works, is, okay, this is all written down. This is not, quote, from the heart. It's just rote memorization that somebody is reading out and the pastor's hearing it or they confess, you know, that someone's going to confess sins or forgive sins is hearing this. And it's just, you know, it's not really from the heart. Pastor, what would you tell them 
that why this is a good, right, and salutary way to follow confession and absolution? Well, I, th I think it's because it gives the opportunity. Um, think about our ordinary way of confessing sins is done in the divine service. And we have a confession. Um, I think most pastors today offer a, a quiet time of meditation prior to uh, the actual confession of sins in the divine service. Uh, there's, a, there's an opportunity there in most of the forms of, of our worship and to say, take a time to contemplate your sinfulness and your need for forgiveness. And uh, what happens there is that people certainly do that. Uh, I would think that most people think about their sinfulness. And then there's, you know, 15, 20 seconds of time where they're given to contemplate that. But they never really verbalize their their particular sins, and then there's a general confession. There's a general confession of sins and a general absolution of sins. What's really good about individual confession and absolution is that it allows for the truly penitent sinner led by his or her pastor to confess their sins. Um, in the divine worship, in that formal worship setting, um, we just do a general confession. And I think that it's, it's important that if something is weighing heavy on someone's heart or mind, that they have the opportunity to express it as it's done in the LSB. Uh, what troubles me particularly is this. And then you can get to the heart of the matter and actually bring maybe some resolution to their, their sinful uh, concerns and, and needs that are, are weighing heavy on their heart and causing them guilt and shame. Um, It's important, I believe, that that we maintain that opportunity. Um, I had a, I'm going to go back in time a long ways. Uh, I had a friend in high school and college uh, who was Roman Catholic. He was a good friend of mine, and we shared a lot of things. And one of the things that talked about was he needed to go to confession on a regular basis but he told me uh, that if he if he went to confession and told the priest uh, his real sins he he was afraid the priest would have a heart attack now i doubt that that was true uh, but uh, so what he would do is he'd go to confession and he would he would make up sins, not in the sense of making up uh, sins that were 
grandiose or, or bigger than his actual sins, but he would make up sins that he thought the priest could handle, and then he would get his penance, his Hail Marys or his Our Fathers, and then his words to me were, then I'll, I'll just do twice as many of those, and that will pay for my actual sins. And I told him, I said, I don't think that's how that works. And um, my, my point here is that I think that people need the opportunity to, to truly confess their sins. I think we all know that in the general confession and absolution within the divine service, uh, it can get almost to be like a formula something we just do by rote. I think you used that word earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This gets us out of that and helps us to truly confess our need, our sins, and receive from a living, breathing uh, person, whether that's our pastor or a trusted friend or person we've actually sinned against, uh, we can hear that comforting message of the forgiveness of Christ, won for us by Christ Jesus, our Lord, upon the cross. And I like how you laid that out for us, because it is something that people are confessing their sins all the time. Uh, like, for example, if you were to talk to a bartender and ask them, what do people say to you? And they said, well, often they kind of lay all their burdens on me, you know, as they're having a drink or something along those lines, or maybe a barber or a hairstylist. And there's this like confessing their sins all the time. And as, as a parent, I believe this happens as a spouse, this happens as friends. It's like, you're talking about your friends speaking to you, that there is an appropriate way that when someone does this, that this is a, a, a simple format not to try to act like you're a pastor, but there's a simple format in this where you will be able to pronounce forgiveness to somebody, basically by saying, as we're going to learn about a little bit later, is, well, you've confessed your sins, so now in the name of Christ, I'm going to have to forgive you. So in the name of Jesus, you're forgiven. And and I've done that a few times, not, not often, but it does happen. So I encourage our listeners to read, listen. That person's actually confessing. And, and, and that's your opportunity to show, to give forgiveness. This is what Jesus gives to us. And, and we, this is specifically a calling of the pastor as a called and ordained servant of Christ, but also you forgive sins in the name of Jesus in your daily vocations as well. So pastor, you know what? I'm going to hold that back though. I want to dig further into this master of the house. And if you have anything to say on what I just mentioned, um, we'll get to that a little bit later. So Pointing back to page 26 sure. in the small catechism, um, it, it, you see, the great thing about this is you have the penitent who's a servant, but it does not allow the master of the house off the hook as if they're not sinful or something along those lines. So it says this, a master or lady of the house may say, in particular, I confess before you, I have not faithfully guided my children, servants and wife to the glory of God. I have cursed. I've set a bad example by indecent words and deeds. I've hurt my neighbor and spoken evil of him. I've overcharged, sold inferior merchandise, and given less than what was paid for. Let the penitent confess whatever else he has done 
against God's commandments and his own position. If, however, someone does not find himself burdened with these or greater sins, he should not trouble himself or search for or invent other sins and thereby make a confession a torture. Instead, he should mention one or two that he knows. In particular, I confess that I have cursed. I have used improper words. I have neglected this or that, etc. Let that be enough. But if you know of none at all, which hardly seems possible, then mention none in particular, but receive the forgiveness upon the general confession which you make to God before the confessor. Then the confessor shall say, excuse me, God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Amen. Pastor, there's a lot for us to break down in that section. And also, it's almost like Luther is kind of just thinking out loud, you know, when he says, which hardly ever seems possible. Um, some of these words you hear are just, they're pure gold. Where, where do you want to begin? Well, I think that, again, I go back to the, the concept of vocation here. Uh, in particular, uh, I'm reading again from the Catechism. In particular, I confess before you that I've not faithfully guided my children. Well, that's the vocation of of a parent, uh, servants. So, as a as an employer, a boss, manager, and wife to the glory of God. So, husband, spouse, uh, and it's calling upon the penitent to examine his or her, her life. Uh, I've heard my neighbor, I've spoken evil of him, I've overcharged, let it be a person in business. Um, so we're being asked by Luther to examine our lives in um, in the context of our, our roles in life, our vocations, and, uh, and how we have, have failed at times to do that. I'm, I'm sort of a practical person and pastor. And so I think that when I read this, I read that Luther was indeed probably reflecting back on one or more conversations that he had with various people. And he wanted to include an example here for us to follow. So, we are drawn to examine our, our role in life, our position in life, and how we have failed, and by those failures, have sinned against other people, and that we need to confess them. Um, as you read the next paragraph, which was, uh, he should not trouble himself or... Uh, make invent other sins. I thought about the story I just told. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's true. I, I have cursed. I have used improper words. I've neglected this or that. Um, let that be enough. In other words, be, be real. Be real about our sinfulness and um, in particular those that are causing us to really feel the shame and guilt of our sin. But he says, if you know of none at all, in the parenthetical phrase there, which hardly seems possible, <laughs> and mentioned none in particular, um, 
But I do want to get to what you read there at the end, and that is the confessor shall say, God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Mm. God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith because that is the prayer. Um, I believe that when the pastor or confessor says that in response to whatever the penitent has said, uh, which he or she would say, I am sorry for all of this and ask for grace. I want to do better. The pastor confessor says, God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Because we need, we need the grace of God in order to have the strength and the will to live a repentant and sanctified life. Without the power and the presence of Christ and his spirit. None of us can truly be repentant of our sins and live as God desires us to live, which is the sanctified life. Now, at the end of all of that, together the penitent and confessor are to say, Amen, to that simple prayer, Amen. Um, mm. May it be so, may God's will be done. Um, and I think that is critically important for us as we examine this concept of confession and especially in the private or individual context because I've never had someone come to me as a pastor and want to have a conversation with me that goes in the direction of confessing their sins who wasn't truly sorry for their sins. Mm -hmm. uh, we, that's the way we speak of it, sorry for our sins. And you mentioned the bartender or some other type of person that people say, you know, I did this wrong or I, I did this wrong. And they're confessing their sins to that. How much better it is for the penitent sinner to actually come to the church, to the pastor, to a fellow Christian, and admit their sinfulness to that person or to about a situation in their lives and get the comfort that is God be merciful to you and mm -hmm. strengthen your faith. And I know we're going to we're going to go on here and hear even more comforting words of forgiveness. It is very powerful, those words by the confessor shall say, God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. That is, first of all, all of this comes back to God. Because <laughs> at the end of a confession, which is what we do in secular world, right? Is you, someone will say all this bad stuff and say, hey, we love you. Or they'll say something like, well, here's to better days ahead or, um, you know, water under the bridge. Uh, you know, oh, you know what? We were young. We were stupid. God just, you know, thank goodness we're not like we used to be. Right. We're better or something along those lines. You're always left in it. And this doesn't end here, which is great, is it says, God, be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Amen. Let it be so, as you said. Now, the key thing here is that that's awesome. Like that is God, Christ-centered stuff, but it doesn't end there because you haven't buried it. You know, you haven't put it in the, you haven't 
buried it with Christ and hasn't risen to new life. It's, it has, it's, it's like maybe it's buried, but it's not gone or whatever, however you want to say it. It needs to be placed on Jesus. That's what's needed in this whole thing. So these words are like a step above what culture gives, but it's still not done yet. So it begins with God. So I want to go to the next part. Furthermore, here's the next part. Here, here's a great part. It says, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? And it says, yes, dear confessor. So this is a very, very, very important piece to this because as Lutherans, there are people who will say, what kind of person are you to say that you could forgive sins? What kind of arrogant jerk are you that you think you can forgive sins? Um, so why is this in there, Pastor? And why is that such an important piece? Well, I think it's very important because, again, I, I'd say I've, I've never had someone come to me and, and we get to this point where we're going through this private individual confession who would end up saying, I mean, uh, we've all heard it, um, who are you to forgive sins? But when we get to this point, the penitent would, why would anybody go through this ritual, this procedure, who was not truly sorry for their sins and believed that there was available to them through the words of their pastor forgiveness as if from Christ himself um, as it says in, 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 the, uh, in the catechism as well I've never had anybody not be able to answer this question sincerely do you believe that my forgiveness is god's forgiveness um, because they they have come to that point where they already know that they are forgiven through christ that their sins have been put to death upon the cross with him and buried in the tomb with him and they can rise to live that sanctified, repentant life in Christ. And so when you ask, when the confessor asks, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? It is just an affirmation that forgiveness is available to them. And they know that. It seems like a, an obvious answer, especially for those who maybe have gone through this or if you have gone to a Lutheran church your whole life, and that's just kind of what happens at the beginning. But it is a profound reminder that when these words are said, they're not my words, they're God's words. This is from John chapter 20. We very explicitly write this in our divine services, in the Lutheran um, service book. It's something that we fully believe because of what Jesus says, you know, um, that it's not us, it's fully Christ, but for whatever reason, whatever reason, we're going to talk more about this next week with what is the office of the keys, he has chosen us to be the ones who bring that good news. He's the one who, who uses, as, as, uh, as sinful and broken and ill-equipped that we are, to do such a gracious thing. So we're at this point, right, this, 
this big moment, the climax of the story is, is about to come. And right now we know that they, that they, uh, that God is merciful to them. They know that this forgiveness is not ours. And they say, yes, dear confessor. And then the confessor says this, let it be done for you as you believe. And I, by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. A confessor will know additional passages with which to comfort and to strengthen the faith of those who have great burdens of conscience or are sorrowful and distressed. This is intended only as a general form of confession. So reminder at the very end, he's not saying this is the only way you can do it. If you love Jesus, this is the only way to do it. Clearly, this is only a general form for us to be able to use. Right. But it says at the beginning, let it be done for you as you believe. That is an interesting insertion. Why does he put that in there? Any thoughts on that part, Pastor? I mean, as as you believe? Right. Well, if, really just because of what uh, we were just talking about. Uh, do you believe that this that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? Do you believe that this forgiveness is God's forgiveness? Do you believe that it's coming to you from God simply through me as the pastor, as the confessor uh, who is is leading them through this? Um, in the LSB, it's it's done a little differently. It says. Uh, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is, of course is exactly the same words that we use in the divine service and uh, so important really uh, that, um, they, that the penitent hears those words. Let it be done for you as you believe because this person who's coming to you uh, as the confessor and is confessing their sins before their pastor in a private setting, uh, already believes strongly that forgiveness is available to them. And then they hear those wonderful words that you just read, by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, the comfort of those words is uh, so big that it's actually hard to put into words um, for to describe. We as Christians, as faithful believers, know the comfort of those words, but we to express those to someone who doesn't know it is maybe extremely difficult. But that penitent sinner that's before you in private or individual confession, they know. So Luther's not saying anything unusual here. Let it be done for you as you believe, because he, you know, you know that person as their pastor. You know um, that they believe this. And so you're simply announcing to them what they already know, that Christ forgives them all their sins. And um, the, the shame and guilt of that sin is then removed from them, as the psalmist writes, as far as the east is from the west. And it's completely gone, and they can go in peace. Go in peace.
as Jesus said in John 20, peace be with you. Two times he says that to the disciples, and he says it to us over and over again. Pastor, we have about four minutes left in our time. One of the insertions that we have in individual confession absolution is after going in peace, you say amen, and the, the, the penitent and the confessor may stay and say a prayer of thanksgiving. For example, Psalm 32. Now, Psalm 32 is very powerful when we think of confession absolution. Do you want to say a few words about that as we end our time? I'd love to. Um, I, I think of, uh, use, I use this psalm a lot when, this, uh, when presented this opportunity, and it begins, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. To me, those verses remind me in every forgiven sinner that our sin is removed from us, as I just said, as far as the east is from the west in Psalm 103. And the blessing of the Lord is upon us because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross, the atonement he made for us. In verses 3 and 4, when I keep silent, my bones wasted away, though through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. In those verses, well, we feel, I feel the weight of sin upon me. It's been confronted by the Word of God, presented in our lives, and we know our sin. It's that mirror. We haven't talked about that, but it's the mirror that has revealed our need to confess. So the psalmist writes, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. In those verses, the psalmist clearly confesses his sin, and he knows that these words that we all use in the divine service or in this short form, we do the same thing. We confess our sins to the Lord. And then verses 6 and 7, Therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble and surround me with shouts of deliverance. I think that in those, in those verses, the psalmist encourages you and me and all who believe to come to confession, especially when our sins truly burden us. For that's where we find hope and forgiveness. So go, go where God's forgiveness is given to you. Go to your pastor, go to church, go to those fellow believers with whom you share the faith of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Psalmist uh, continues in verse 8 and 9, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bitter bridle, or it will not stay near you. Of course, those words, it's clear the psalmist believes that it's a mistake to not confess one's sin. It's a mistake to go the fool's way or to be have to be led by bitter bridle um, to confess. But however it happens, when the Word of God leads us to confess, know our sin and confess that sin, uh, he leads us to God's love and forgiveness. And by confession of Christ, the confession of Christ by the forgiveness of our sins, he gives us peace, gives us hope for today and for all eternity. 
And then finally, verse 10 and 11, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Those final two verses sum it up. Remember the words that we say in divine service. We have no sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth in it is, is not in us. But when we don't confess our sins, we're going to face the sorrow of our wickedness. The sorrow of our sin remains upon us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The psalmist says it this way, steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Through truly repentant confession, whether it's private or corporate, and through the absolution given by our pastors, we have the opportunity, each one of us, to be upright in heart. And that means to be united with God through his son, Jesus Christ, in the forgiveness won for us upon the cross. Pastor Timothy Raywalt of St. John Lutheran Church in Popple Creek and St. Paul Lutheran Church in Foley, Minnesota, clearly confessing the truth of confession and absolution. Pastor Ray Walt, thank you for your faithful teaching on Concord Matters. Thank you. I'm your host, Pastor Grady Finner. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe.